Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Salatu vesselamu ala Resulina ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men vela. Allahümme salli ve sellem ve zil ve barik ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. Allahümme alimna ma enfa'na ma fa'na bima alimtina ve zilna ilmin ve amelin salihâ. Allah we ask you to teach us that which benefits us and to give us benefit from that which you have taught us and to give us the ability to do good deeds. Allahümme amin. So we left off on this statement of Imam al-Ghazali Rahimahullah, Allah have mercy on him Qala al-Musannifu Rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafanallahu bi'ahu bi'ulumihi fi darain Ameen He said it has been related The beginning of knowledge is silence Then attentive listening Then memorizing Then acting Then transmitting one's knowledge So we talked about Kind of this uh, progression that one, if, if one, and this is generally true in any field of learning, that the first place that one has to start in any field of learning is to acknowledge that they don't know, then that helps them, you know? If they acknowledge that they don't know, then they'll be, they'll be silent long enough to actually learn. And that silence will allow them then to listen very carefully. And then to really memorize, you can maybe say like also to internalize that which they've been taught that which they've learned, they can really put it inside and then they can act on it and then they can transmit it to others. So this is the steps that he's saying. It has been related, teach your knowledge to whoever is ignorant of it and learn from the knowledgeable. If you do this, you will learn what you were ignorant of and you will safeguard what you learned. So basically, if you teach it to people, then you're going to remember it. And also if you... uh, uh, seek knowledge from the people who have knowledge and obviously you will learn right there are a lot of things that we don't know that we think that we know and only over time do we realize uh, the reality of things and uh, as we said before part of that too is to realize that there's various types of knowledge there's various levels of knowledge there's various layers to knowledge um, and as as one learns more and, and so on then they learn how to put things in the right place and uh, then Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu said concerning the excellence of teaching and seeking knowledge and I have seen it narrated directly from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. so it's a statement that's more authentically attributed to Mu'adh and um, then uh, but it's also been attributed to the Prophet sallallahu but that's not as strong of a narration Yasin can you do me a favor can you bring the incense thing and put it here I just don't want it in uh, Eamon's face. <laughs> you have to grab it from the bottom. There you go. Thank you. It's okay if it's in my face. I'm accustomed to it. I don't know if Eamon is accustomed to it. I don't want it in his face bothering him. Okay. So, Mu'adh ibn Jabal is that we're about to have this quote from Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu uh, As a disclaimer before we start it, it's very long. It's a very, very long statement. And uh, also by way of just... Mu'adh is from the scholars of the companions. We'll just leave it at that much for now. Mu'adh is from the scholars of the companions. And he uh, he's the one that the Prophet or he's one of the people that the Prophet sent to Yemen to teach the people of Yemen Islam when they had entered into Islam in large numbers. And this was generally the the way of the Prophet ﷺ as, way, as well as the way of his 
successors after him which is that if there was an area that was opened or an area where a lot of Muslims started to come because people either entered into Islam or maybe the Muslims took over that land and then now people start to settle there uh, if that happens then the Prophet them will generally send someone to teach the people and uh, that obviously is very important because it eliminates chaos right? because if they were just going off what this person knows and what that person knows and what, I've, what I read here and what I read there which would be the modern equivalent of that I read this here and I read this there and I heard this here and I heard this there then it just ends up being chaos but the Prophet them he would send people and they're known you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ali radiallahu anhu was also sent to Yemen at some point, and Mu'ad was sent to Yemen. One time, when the Prophet sent Mu'ad to Yemen, that's where we have one of the um, one of the famous hadith that's a foundation for legal theory. When he sent Mu'ad, and he told him, "You're going to come across issues that you didn't see with me, so how are you going to deal with them?" And he told them, "I'll rule according to the Quran." And he said, "What if you don't find it in the Quran?" Right? Meaning like you don't find a direct answer in the Quran, what are you going to do? He said, then I'll rule according to your way to the Prophet And then the Prophet told him, what if you don't find it there? He said, then I'll, I'll put in my, I'll put forth my effort I'll put forth uh, most effort that I can and I'm not going to look back. Like basically, he's, he's, he has a foundation from the Prophet that he can do that. That's why he's being sent, right? And he's saying, this is the approach that I'm going to take. And the scholars afterwards, they also sometimes, even if we don't have the details of their approach, we have the generality of it. Like Abu Hanifa, for example, you look at the Quran, you look at the Sunnah, you look at the consensus of the Sahaba, you know, then they start to do other things. Um, so Mu'adh, when he said that, the Prophet them said, uh, something along the lines of Alhamdulillah alladhi waffaqa rasoola rasoolillah ila ma yurdi rasoolallah Alhamdulillah the one to, to all, all praises due to Allah who basically guided the messenger of the messenger of God to that which pleases the messenger of God because Mu'adh is his messenger when he's going there right so Mu'adh is important that's the summary of the story Pursue knowledge, this is what he said. Pursue knowledge, for pursuing it is reverence to God. Seeking it is devotion. Studying it with others is glorification. Searching it out is striving in the path of God. Teaching it to one who lacks knowledge is charity. Bestowing it freely on those worthy of it brings proximity to God. So what does he said? He said basically, if you seek the knowledge, you're glorifying God. And you're making tasbih, you're making, basically you're remembering God, you're glorifying God. You're making jihad because you're struggling in the way of God. If you teach others, you're making sadaqah because you're giving charity when you teach others. So he's mentioning all of these ideas that are core to Islam. He's saying all of these actually are in the process of seeking knowledge in the first place. And he says, knowledge is an intimate companion in solitude, a friend in retreat, and a guide to religion. It hardens one in ease and difficulty. It is a wazir among noble companions and a close friend among strangers. It is a guiding light on the path to heaven. God elevates people through knowledge, making them leaders, lords, and guides who are followed on the path of excellence. Lords here is the lowercase l, in case anyone's confused. Lowercase l. Not lord like the kind you worship. Lord like the person who has authority over other people. And guides who are followed on the path of excellence. They are exemplars in goodness. Their traces are followed closely, and their comportment is closely noted. 
The angels seek out intimate friendship with them and with their wings stroke them. Every creature of the field or the desert seeks forgiveness for them. Even the fish and the sea snakes of the oceans, the wild animals of dry land and its grazing beasts, even the heavens and its stars. All this because knowledge is the life of the heart, protecting it from blindness, the light of eyesight protecting it from darkness, and the strength of the body sustaining it from weakness. The servant attains through it the stations of the upright and the loftiest degrees. Reflection on it equals fasting, and studying it with others equals devotion. Extra prayer in the night, through the night. Through it God is obeyed, by it he is worshipped, by it his unity is affirmed, by it he is lauded, and by it he is approached with piety. By it family ties are maintained, and by it the lawful and unlawful are known. Knowledge is the leader, and deeds its followers, his followers. That's a famous statement from an Ilmu Imam, Wal-Amunu Tabiru. <coughs> that the knowledge is the leader and the action follows from it. Those who will be happy are inspired by it and those who will be miserable are kept from it. We seek God's most excellent outcome for all deeds. That's the end of that section. So you see that he's, it's very... Uh, I mean, there's a lot there, but if we spend forever on it, then we'll be here forever. But there's a lot in, the, there's a lot in his statement. Um, the main things that I would say from that is that essentially what he's getting at is that this knowledge when it's when when one seeks it they're engaged in an act of worship and this is very important to remember as we've said before like even on Thursdays when we have these these things and some people come for some people come they care more for dhikr and some people come and they care care more for study and uh, both of them are each other in a sense so when you study, it's a dhikr, and when you make a dhikr, it's a, it's a type of study. So they, they work together, you know. So the knowledge is a means, uh, it's, a, it's an act of worship, and it's a means of knowing God and what God wants from us. And it's also a means by which we rectify our relationship with God. It's a means by which we're able to bring benefit to others. And all of this comes from, from the knowledge. And it's also uh, a companion, right? It's also a companion, the best of... What is I think there's a statement along those lines in English, isn't there? In Kitabu Khairu Jalis, isn't there something like... In English they have something like that? That the book is a book is the best sitting partner, like it's the best thing to keep you company? I think there's something like that in English, I don't know. Can't, can't remember right now. But that's what they say in Arabic. That you know, a book is your best company. It'll keep you company. It'll never leave you. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll give to you and it'll give to you and it'll give to you. And... Uh, so true some of us we have so many friends but all of them are neglected Allah forgive us all these nice nice friends sitting in the library there nobody to spend time with them no chance to spend time with them Allah so rational proofs uh, I don't really want to do this section in a whole lot of detail um, so I'm just going to point out some parts of it the rational proofs are essentially now he's going to say like what are those things like if we were to think logically about learning what are those things that indicate why learning is so important and uh, so he says he starts off by basically saying that you can't know if something is virtuous or not if you don't know what virtue is so fadl He's like, what, how do you know if something's a fadila or if there's fadl in it if you don't know what fadl is? 
So he starts off by defining that and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he goes into that. But basically, he, what's, he, what's he's getting into is that what he's trying to say is that knowledge is important. And it's, uh, it's, it's a virtue in and of itself, in an absolute sense, without attribution to anything else. Um, and why he says that is because, so he's saying knowledge has, it's, there's things that are beneficial he's going to get into. There's things that are beneficial in and of themselves. And there's things that are beneficial because of what they lead to. And then there's things that are beneficial in and of themselves and because of what they lead to. So this is the kind of like the breakdown that he goes through. So some things we care for them because they really matter. Some things we care for them because what they take us to. You know. And that's, you know, interesting kind of breakdown to think about, you know. So like why does this table matter? Does it matter? If 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 we say that the table matters because of what it allows us to do, then whether or not it matters is going to depend on how we use it. Right? So if I use the table to like la qadrullah put like a can of alcohol on it, right? And that's like the place where the person keeps their their drink or whatever it might be, then the table now is not serving a virtuous cause. Right? But if it's used for knowledge, if it's used for this, if it's used for that to serve people, to help those who are in need, whatever it might be, then those are all good things, right? Um, so some things are like that, but some things he's saying they're they're valuable in and of themselves. Just you know, you don't even have to use them for anything. They're just good to have. And uh, he says that knowledge is from that category. Uh, so that's the first point that he makes is that knowledge is from that category. Some might hear that and be like, "Well, you've been saying all this time that knowledge. That when we talk about knowledge, it's the stuff that you practice and you act upon, and that's where the benefit comes, and so on and so forth." That's true. But part of what he's trying to get at here is that when when we study Aqidah and we say what are the attributes of God, right? So when we study Aqidah and we talk about the attributes of God, we start with the attribute of existence, right? So again, this this is this is not Wednesday, so we're not going to go into a whole lot of Aqidah, but the first attribute of of God is that He exists. This is and then we have the attributes of negation. That he doesn't have beginning, that he doesn't have end, that he doesn't have need, that he doesn't have similitude, uh, that he doesn't have parts. These are the attributes of negation. Then we get to the attributes of uh, description. Basically, one of them is that he has ilm, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he's alive, that he's living, and that he has knowledge. So, knowledge has a benefit in and of itself because it's a worldly reflection of the infinite attribute of God. So this is his point that he's making here as, as a starting point is to understand like the only way we're even like whatever we have from knowledge and whatever conceptualization we have of knowledge this is just like a flash in the infinite from the infinite ocean of God's knowledge and so when we seek knowledge it's not only about the knowledge that we're seeking but it's about if you're to step back for a second being engaged in that process is being connected at some level with one of the attributes of God that he is an alim, that he knows, and so on. So this is the first thing that he's saying, which is pretty interesting. Um, and then he says, but then after that, uh, there's things that are sought, sought, you know, from knowledge as well. Um, in this respect, he says, in this respect, and uh, for the example of something else that gives both, for example, is uh, that which is sought for itself and for other than itself is similar to having a healthy body. 
For indeed the healthy leg, for example, is sought as a facet of the body that is free of pain on the one hand, and that it is able to walk on the other, and that it helps people in accomplishing desires and necessities on the other. So it's a good thing in and of itself, but also for what it can be used for. In this respect, when you look at knowledge, you should perceive it as a delight in and of itself, and as something to be sought after for itself. And you should find it as a means to the abode of the hereafter, and its delights as well as a path to proximity with God, for there is no means of approaching Him but through it. So there's no way to, you can't come to God except by knowledge. You can't come to God based on ignorance. You have to at least know the basic things. What, what, it, who is God? What does He want from us? So on and so forth. Without these things, then we, you know, we don't. That's one of the amazing things, you know, that we have actual guidance in this regard. It's one of the greatest blessings when you think about it, because people, there's, there's countless people who live their lives, and they know that they, they need something. They know that something's not there. They know that they're missing something. They know that they, they believe in something greater than themselves, and they can't really figure it out, right? And then you have revelation, right? So they, they get to, like, the doorstep of understanding that there's, there's something there. But, and some people will even figure it out. And they'll be like, they'll, they'll figure it out, and they'll believe in God, and they'll try to live a good life as much as they can. And, uh... That's what the Maturidis thought you should be able to do. You should be able to figure out that God exists and that you should do good general good and avoid general bad. You should be able to figure that out on your own without prophets and revelation. <laughs> They're harder than the Ashadis. The Ashadis were very generous. They said you can, you're not expected to be able to do that. So if you don't receive revelation, you're not held accountable. That was the Ashadi opinion. It's the majority of uh, Ahna Sunnah. Yeah. So Ibrahim al-Islam was a, a Hanif. Hanif, yeah. Did you get revelation oh, right sorry, I forgot about you. <laughs> Did you get revelation right after that? How do I want to have a No, 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 no. Okay, let's put it in. That's fine. Like, how long after you get revelation come? How long after Ibrahim salam did revelation come? He figured it out on his own. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Depends on which tafsir you take. He had scrolls. Ibrahim had scrolls. He had some sort of revelation. Sahuf Ibrahim. And the story about him, like looking for the stars and stuff like that. You know, the opinion that I leaned towards in that one was that he was, uh, he was doing that as a means to show his people the falsity of what they believed in, not because he was actually looking at the star and saying, oh, I'm going to worship the star, or looking at the sun and saying, I'm going to worship the sun. But there's a long debate on that one. We'll get us sidetracked a little bit. <laughs> but I'm not sure to the particular of your answer, or to your, to your question. Um, so knowledge is saying you should get for itself and for it can, can be what, it, what it can lead to. <coughs> and the most important thing that knowledge can lead to is the knowledge of God and proximity to God and to know how to worship Him and to know who He is and how to live a life that is pleasing to Him. So it says, The most exalted rank with regard to humanity is eternal bliss in the hereafter. And the most excellent of things is that which serves as a means of attaining it. So this is really, you know, like from a cognitive frame perspective, one of the things that's really uh, important to consider oftentimes when we're, when we're studying and when we're thinking about things and what the Prophet them did quite often for his companions is to adjust the cognitive frame. What does that mean? 
cognitive frame is like the the lens that we have in our mind by which we're perceiving the world around us so there's like a particular way that we're looking at something and when we shift it it looks a little bit different and part of like the understanding part of understanding religion is making those shifts because sometimes things are not exactly the way that they're supposed to be so the example that I've given before that I didn't finish actually when I started it before was the, the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu when he asked his companions who is the one who's bankrupt men al muflis said the muflis is the one the bankrupt is the one that doesn't have any wealth and he told them no the bankrupt is the one who does a lot of good deeds but they oppress people and then they come on the day of judgment and the people who they oppressed they come and they start to take their share of the person's good deeds until all of their good deeds are gone and then once all their good deeds are gone they start to take their bad deeds from they start to take the bad deeds of the people they oppressed as a means of retribution and then they have nothing left right so this is the person who's bankrupt so it's a shift in the cognitive frame um, what I've what I've I feel like is quite uh, common is that we we have like oftentimes some sort of relationship with our religion varying levels sometimes very close sometimes very distant and um, <coughs> oftentimes the cognitive frames are whatever is established society societally right? whatever the cultural norm is whatever the societal norm is that's the actual cognitive frame and we kind of like sprinkle some Islam on top you know it's like the frosting on the cake but the cake is the wrong cake <laughs> so you can put like all the frosting you want and write the name and wish them happy birthday and everything else but it's the wrong cake and so the frost you keep you keep looking at it and you're like this frosting it doesn't taste right the frosting it looks really pretty but it doesn't taste right it's not making sense for me because the cake is the wrong cake that's what Wednesday nights about right is that the cognitive frames they have to be adjusted so when when he says for example that the most exalted rank with regard to humanity is eternal bliss in the hereafter. That's a really important cognitive frame. Like who who are, who are the best people on earth? The best people on earth are the people who are going to attain the most in the hereafter. That's it. That's the only that's that's the only means by which I can judge the value of something is whether or not it's going to have consequence in the hereafter. So the wealth, the popularity, the strength, the whatever it might be, the people, which could be a means of bliss in the hereafter, could not be. It's not the point is to diss those things. That's not the point. The point is to say that what matters is where is it all going, right? So this is a, a cognitive frame that's really, really important because oftentimes we get pulled in all kinds of different directions. We get pulled to thinking this is important or that is important, and then all of a sudden we don't feel very worthy because inevitably we're not able to live up to the standards of all of these things that are in front of our eyes because like how can we even do that right as we've said before that's the system is made like that so that you have all of these things in front of you that you're supposed to do and you can't do them so the only way to feel better about it is to buy things so it's purposely set up that way so that you buy things right but yeah if, if the fulfillment comes from the inside Say like, oh yeah, there's all those standards, whatever. It's not, they're not the standards that matter to me. Even in the standards, by the way, like in some sense, in the standards of the hereafter sometimes too, you, we have our own 
shift on it. So it's like for example the hadith where they came to the Prophet and they told him, Ya Rasulullah, the wealthy people, they're taking all the reward. Right? So they, these companions who didn't have as much, they came to him, they told him, they're taking all the reward. We don't, we don't have anything because we don't have any money. Right? So they're looking at it now in the right way at least. They're looking at it in regards to the reward in the hereafter. But they're still looking at the wealthy people and being like, well, they have something that I can't have, that I can't use in the way of God, right? So he told them, yeah, but you have subhanAllah and alhamdulillah and la ilaha illallah. And he told them basically to make dhikr. So now everyone has different, there's, there's different types of currencies that will have benefit in the hereafter. And different people have different appor- apportionments in their worldly life that they can use in their route to the hereafter. And what I'm going to use in my route might not be what someone else uses in their route. But everyone has their route. And everyone has their ability to do something. And as long as they did with sincerity what it is that they're able to do in front of their Lord, then, you know, and they love the Prophet's eyes on them, then, you know, that's it. Even if, even if ostensibly I don't have like what these other people have and I can't do what they did. I don't have $10 million to give to, to build like this hospital that's going to serve people for free for the next 500 years, you know. I don't, <laughs> I don't have that, but I have something else. Yes? Would you say that's included in the wealth of the heart? So you're saying that you're talking about, I don't have this kind of wealth, so I'm going to do this and this. What if someone's not, not there spiritually? But the wealth of the heart is what allows them to connect to people in society which makes a difference. They acquire knowledge and give that makes it, but they're really, really never going to get there spiritually. But they have mm. the wealth of the heart. What do you mean they have the wealth of the heart? Meaning that the heart is, it's held in its weight of gold. It's not maybe exemplified with the the deeds or all of the traditions or mm-hmm. traditional seeking of knowledge, but mm-hmm. it's it's there. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, then they did get there spiritually. That's that is that's it. <laughs> that's that's what it means. Is like for for the heart to be like that, to be the, for the heart to be content, for the heart to be giving, for the heart to be a source of good and mercy. About the cake. Hmm. Well, that's the heart. The the heart and the cake. The cake is more about the mind. But the heart, you know, the heart is good. The heart is good. Yeah. Subhanallah. So yeah. So you know they don't. That's what I'm saying is that our sometimes our our perception of what it means to be spiritual is an that's an interesting conversation. What it means to have spiritually made it or so on and so forth. I mean, uh, those are those are really interesting concepts. But uh, when we really read and and like study what the spiritual master said, sometimes we find that what are common. Uh, uh, common conceptualizations of what that mean are not always what they're talking about, you know. Uh, could be that the person they have in their heart like endless generosity, uh, endless kindness, and endless love for others. That's like really, really good. That's huh? Same cake. Sa- and the cake is the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not what you're gonna say something. Oh no, I just I heard a narration. Um, who's, who's the wali of Allah? Mm. Some said that the wali of Allah is the one who loves what Allah loves, hates what Allah hates, and it's not. And, and he says that it's not like 
a lot of fasting and prayer. Mm. Yeah. And it's like a he has the perfect cognitive frame. Mm. They got it. They understood what the whole thing was about. You know, they. The wali of Allah is the close friend of Allah. So he said that I heard that heard a narration that the close friend of Allah is the one who loves for Allah and they hate for Allah. They put everything in the right place. There's another narration they asked the Prophet on that question. Men humul awliya. They asked him who are the who are the close friends of Allah. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah. Those who if they're seen, God is remembered. If they're seen, God is remembered. That's that's their definition. <laughs> Everything else, like all of the other possible things you can think of, yeah, this, you know. Okay, we should probably let me see where we are. Okay, let me just finish this section and we'll we'll stop inshallah. <coughs> The foundation of bliss in this world and the next is therefore knowledge. It is thus the most excellent deed of all. How can this not be the case? When the virtue of anything is recognized through the nobility of its fruits, you have already understood that the fruit of knowledge is proximity to the Lord of the worlds, joining the realm of the angels and being in lofty company. This is all in the hereafter. As for the present world, there is reputation and dignity. the authority of kings and the inherent respect that resides in human nature, such that even, I don't know if I want to get sidetracked by this, such that even the most stupid Turks and the most ill-mannered Arabs. So what it says in the bottom <laughs> is that these were things that were culturally said at his time. It doesn't mean that he hates Turks and Arabs. Okay. Yes. Find their natural dispositions compelled to recognize the dignity of their elders because of their distinction and the extent of their beneficial knowledge gained through years of experience. Even beasts naturally respect humankind, for they sense the distinguishing characteristics of humankind's perfection that surpasses theirs in degree. So basically he's saying that knowledge is what gives people rank. This virtue of knowledge is absolute. However, the levels of knowledge differ, as will be explained, and their levels of virtue, without doubt, are ranked accordingly. (coughs) As for the excellence of teaching and learning, it is a manifest affair. For if knowledge is the best of undertakings, then acquiring it as uh, then acquiring it is a quest for that which is most excellent, and teaching it is a means to attaining what is most excellent. We'll continue here next time on on elucidation. Muhammad, can you look on the top of the? See if there's anything I can use as a bookmark Just on the top of that bookshelf That little one Or anything in there that can be used as a bookmark Thank you It's a two-person effort They're working and see what they find Probably nothing in there. All right, transition.